Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast, where we discuss sermons, theological ideas, and how to live for a story larger than ourselves. I'm Matt Cabot, an elder at Grace South Bay and host the podcast. Today we're discussing the fourth sermon in our Advent series, Jesus and Modern Christmas. In a sermon titled Jesus and Expectations, Pastor Bob talks about the expectations we place on the Christmas season and why it usually doesn't measure up. And that's because our deepest longings can be satisfied only in Jesus. We'll talk about that and more on today's podcast. We're in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 41. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. So, Bob, we're doing this podcast after Christmas. How many of our listeners would you guess had a Christmas that did not live up to expectations? Yeah, you know, Matt, that probably depends on um, how many people have learned to lower their expectations <laughs> for Christmas, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, right, right? That's the problem, is that you you go through enough of these um, as, a, as a kid or more likely as an adult, and uh, you learn to just expect less mm-hmm. because it can be so disappointing. So, you know, either people who uh, unnecessarily lower expectations or have had them busted this mm-hmm. past season, I'm sure it's, it's quite high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what is it actually we're searching for in the Christmas season, maybe indeed in our lives? Yeah, and, and I think asking in our lives is correct, right? Because that was the whole point of this series was that uh, Christmas time isn't a unique time, though we talk about it as it is. Uh, you know, the busyness, the the tensions with family, mm-hmm. right? The the pressure, the expectations, the boundaries, right? We think it's unique and special, but actually, it's it's just our lives somewhat magnified, and that's why, you know, I think we we found it to be a useful series mm-hmm. uh, for for the congregation because you know what we're going through during Advent and the Christmas season actually highlights what we're always going through, and so yes, it's what are we expecting? What are we hoping for? for our lives. And of course, on the surface, you know, fun and warmth and comfort, like we Mm -hmm. we want those things. But more importantly, we want to belong somewhere. Mm -hmm. We want uh, to be and to feel significant uh, to to someone, right? We want acceptance. Uh, We want to be loved uh, for who we are. We want a a place of safety. Mm -hmm. We want a place of peace. And so, you know, so much of what we talk about at Christmas and sing about at Christmas are those things, right? That's what we're looking for with a, with a significant community. And um, those, those can be really hard to find. And in, and in fact, it kind of comes upon us, and then we try to recreate it, mm-hmm. and it, and it doesn't happen again the way we were hoping for. And we have a family. We want to mm-hmm. make it special for our family. We put lots of pressure on ourselves to do that, and it doesn't work out like we were hoping. So that's kind of where, where we're at. Right. So there's sort of a paradox here, because you've said in your sermon that Maybe our expectations are too high, but you also said we actually might be settling uh, for too little. Yeah, yeah. So how would that work? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not that our expectations are, are too high, it's that they're too low. But of course, mm. there's, a time, there's a timing element that we'll, we'll get into this. But I mean, I think in terms of, it, it's obvious to us that we are hoping for too little because when we ultimately do get what we're hoping for, mm-hmm. we're not satisfied, right? right? I mean, we all know this, right? right? Yeah. Whatever whatever goals we set, whatever things we're waiting for, looking mm-hmm. for, then my life will begin when I get this, mm-hmm. right? When I when I graduate, when I get the job, when I get the spouse, when I get the kid, blah, 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 whatever. Right. It's the when, then that's trap. When, when I retire, yeah, right? right? Whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that's when, that's when my, my best life will begin. Yes. And we all know that that doesn't happen, right? I mean, we, we've... we've 
told over, you know, illustrations over and over again about this. I'll tell another one, mm-hmm. um, but I get to use it in a sermon whenever I want to mm-hmm. because not enough people listen to the podcast, so I can reuse <laughs> my illustrations. Aaron Rodgers, you know, yeah. one of the best quarterbacks, quarterbacks of all yeah. time, mm-hmm. right? Green Bay Packers won, uh, when was it, uh, 10 years ago or 12 yeah, years or ago? Something or like that. Sooner, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they yeah. won the Super Bowl, right? They had just gotten the trophy passing around. Finally, they get out onto the bus to get to the hotel, and Aaron Rodgers is sitting there thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah, wow. You know, and he says, you know, I've been to the bottom and I've been to the top, and meaning is going to come from somewhere else. Wow. You know, and so it's mm. like we, we know that. Like we've, we've heard those stories before. We know it in our life. We know it in the lives uh, of people who seem to be so uh, much higher and, and mm-hmm. have achieved so much more. We know it that there is ultimately a lack of satisfaction even when we hit our goals. So there's something wrong with our goals. Right. We, we are not aiming high enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what, what Christianity does for us is it affirms that we are on the right track with our longings. Yeah, mm. we, we're longing for things, and we're not actually getting them here in this life. And, and the, world's, um, the world's answer to that is, well, adjust your longings. Yeah, and right. the the Bible's answer to that is like no. In fact, intensify your longings. You're right. You're you're not being satisfied here. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with your longing organs, right? right? It means there's something wrong with this place, right. and it is being changed, and you are being changed. Uh, so you know we what what our what our instincts tell us, Christian or not, we know our instincts tell us that that we are made for a world that works. Mm-hmm. We are made for a world that is beautiful and safe, and peaceful, and productive, right? We're made to experience deep, rich love and acceptance, gratifying work, restful sleep, exciting adventure, beautiful accomplishments. We're made for all of this. We know it. We get it. We're disappointed when, it, when it's not there or when it doesn't live up to those expectations. We're built for that, and that's what is coming. So how would a more robust description or understanding of the life to come change the way we live right now. Yeah, right, because what we're saying is it is coming, um, and so our longings are pointing to that, and this is so um, vital, Matt, and it's interesting that we don't preach more on it, particularly because when we sit down with young people with kids, Mm -hmm. like what they want to talk about is the afterlife. It's really interesting. Your your best sessions with elementary school kids are going to be talking about heaven. Hmm. Um, And the the problem is, is that we think of the afterlife uh, or heaven, whatever, um, you know, as sort of like this completely other realm, this ethereal, you know, vapor type thing, Mm -hmm. purely disembodied, weird... Uh, only non-material spiritual existence. And so there's absolutely nothing we can compare it to. There's no analogy. There's nothing. And in fact, that isn't what the new heavens and new earth are. That's not what we are told they are. Um, we know that the permanent afterlife, what is, what is paradise? What is the in-between state right now? Like, there's debate about that, but what we know for sure is that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back with his body, and he's coming back, heaven is coming to earth, right? So it's mm-hmm. going to be a material, physical reality, transformed for sure, right. but like, we will have bodies, and we will move around and walk around on earth. So it's, it's really uh, important we get that right. So one way to think about it is that, um, or in, and kind of like the way we think about life now, is we're in rehearsals. You know, so if mm-hmm. you've ever done a, a stage production or whatever else, like right. you got you got to rehearse, right? Now, um, the problem is, because of sin, 
uh, we're rehearsing with our hands tied and we're blindfolded, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So yeah. we're trying to figure out this production, right. but everyone's blindfolded and our hands are tied, mm-hmm. right? And we're, and we're trying to like, what is going on here? But what God does in us by gives us his spirit and his sacraments and his church and, you know, his promises, what happens is, you know, we start peeking through the blindfold a little bit. Our hands get a little bit looser. We start actually beginning to live into what this new reality will be in terms of love, peace, joy, safety, right? So we are rehearsing for the big day when Jesus comes back, and it'll be real, and the lights will be on, and the audience will be there, and it'll be amazing. And we're beginning to get a sense of, this is going to be a really cool production, right? right? That's that's how we can be thinking about it. Like, we are living into mm-hmm. this physical reality that is coming to us. Our job now is to rehearse. Even though sin still hinders us and entangles us, we are to, you know, move away from it, get out of it as as quickly and as often as we can. It will still hinder us, Mm -hmm. but the day is coming when the shackles will be completely gone. I got to think if you had that as a picture in your mind every day, that it would change the way we live. It would give us a hope to transcend like the the stuff that we're going through on this on this earth. Yep. So why would God uh, design us to find our ultimate satisfaction in Him? I think one answer is that I don't think He could do anything else. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm fine to point out where I think God is limited. I don't think God can um, make—it's like imagine an artist uh, making a piece of art that in no way was related to that artist at all. Mm. Right, that is completely divorced. No piece of art is completely divorced from no. the artist. I mean, that's impossible. Exactly. Right, the the artist puts something of themselves right. into the piece of work. I mean, that's just the way it is. Right, right. and I'm not. I'm, but there's still the, the the work is distinct from the artist. I'm not. You know, I'm not, not a pantheist. Yeah. Right, but but there's there's that. The, it's just clear. There's no way that God could make creatures that ultimately weren't stamped with mm. with parts of Him in in yeah. a sense. Right, and we're stamped with His image. So I don't think it's possible. But second of all, if you love something, right, if you, you, you make something, you create something, and it's conscious, it, it's a person, you want it to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that means you are going to design it so it will find its uh, greatest happiness in the greatest thing, right? You want that creature to be connected to the greatest good, right? right? The, the most beauty, right? You want to, to give that creature the capacity to experience the highest good possible as much mm-hmm. as it can experience, right? Mm-hmm. That is God himself, right? So God designs us to find ultimate joy and happiness. It just so happens that ultimate joy and happiness is in God. He mm-hmm. is the highest good, right? He is He is the definition. So because he loves us, because you, you can't create something that doesn't speak of you anyway, right, right. he has designed us that we would find our ultimate joy in him. So how does the cross fill those expectations then? Yeah, so the cross... The cross is the shape and form God loves take. God's love takes in a broken and rebellious world, right? The, it is the shape and form of God's love now, while we're blindfolded, while we're shackled, right? While all is not well, the cross is the sign that God loves us, right? Because mm-hmm. this is what God has done about this age of darkness, sadness, death, tears, sighing, right? God has done something, and in fact, he has overcome and been victorious over these forces because these forces unleashed themselves on the Messiah, on Jesus, and, you know, he took their best shot, and he, and he rose, 
Yeah. Right? So, so they're defeated. It's over. The cross is the sign of God's victory over these powers, over this age, and his commitment to us that he will stop at nothing to rescue us from this place. So mm-hmm. it is coming. That day is coming. Heaven is coming to earth. Mm-hmm. And the cross now reminds us of that, gives us confidence and hope that it will come. And it also gives meaning and comprehension to our suffering. Yeah. Because if if this is how God changes the world, then that means as we suffer now, God changes us and the world through that. As we turn to him, mm-hmm. open our hands to him and ask him to have his way in us in the midst of our suffering. Yeah. Right? So the cross tells us, shows us how God can use suffering, evil, darkness, even for his own glory and the good of the world. So he did that and he had victory on the cross. But we are still living in a time of sin and suffering. Yes. Um, so, so what is this time period from a biblical perspective, this historical time in which we're living? Yeah, we are in the in-between times, right? The, or, you know, theologians want to talk about the already, not yet, right? So Jesus uh, is victorious. He is risen. He is ascended to the right hand of the Father. He and the Father have sent his Spirit uh, into the world, upon the church, into his people, uh, so that now his people can live knowing him, be united to him. Uh, but he has not yet returned uh, to make a, a final end of this age and the powers and the darkness and the evil that stand opposed to God. So, so therefore, uh, Satan is on a leash. God mm-hmm. is uh, somehow mysteriously using even satanic and rebellious forces mm-hmm. uh, for the good of his people and for the ultimate uh, glorification of mm-hmm. God through history. So mysteriously, things are still working according to plan, and yet there is suffering and sorrow now. We have his spirit as a deposit guarantee in us so that we know he is returning, and we can live faithfully now even as we suffer, right? Mm-hmm. We Even as we sometimes stumble and fail, we repent, right? We live lives of repentance. We receive forgiveness. We keep on walking towards that hope. So Satan's on a leash, but he's still wreaking havoc, right? right. He still can affect us and yep. make our life in this world kind of a miserable place sometimes. Yes. So why do you think that Jesus has not yet returned? Like, what is God waiting for? Mm. Well, so one thing to note is that, remember, uh, Jesus says that even the Son doesn't know the time mm-hmm. when he's returning. And then in, in Acts 1, you know, the apostles say, you know, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel now? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father has set by his own authority. Mm-hmm. Right, so um, to talk about time timetables with any kind of precision is um, really deceptive and, and unbiblical. We shouldn't do that. Uh, it's funny, it's, I, I read that um, the Book of Common Prayer, you know, it has like all the, mm-hmm. the days set out, this is what you pray on this day and that day and that kind of thing, and it's extended all the way to like 6,000 A.D., um, you know, and wow. it's like, and, and the commentator is saying like, I, I hope that's just the beginning, yeah. right? It, it's, it's possible that we are truly at just the very eensy-weensy beginnings of history still, Hmm. and that there could be thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of years of history to come, right? Mm -hmm. We don't—we just don't know. Um, What we do know is that, uh, you know, Jesus tells this parable about the the tares and the wheat, right? Mm -hmm. Farmer plants a field, wheat, good wheat, 
an enemy comes in and sows weeds in there, right? The servants come and say, someone planted weeds. You, you want mm. us to pull it, pull it up, pull them up? And, and the, the farmer says, no, because if you pull up the weeds, you might also pull up the wheat right. as well. Let's wait till the harvest. We'll cut it all down, and then we'll separate it, right? And, and saying that it, 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 if Jesus comes before the appointed time, mm-hmm. uh, all of the people who are marked for eternal life will not be gathered in. So there has to be mm. a time of maturation when the harvest will be ripe, when, it, when it'll be the right, right. time. So God wants to—what is, what is God waiting for? He is waiting to get that last soul into heaven, and that's mm-hmm. there's two ways God does that, through natural generation and through conversion, right? So mm-hmm. he could have done this in the first century. He's chosen not to. Why? Well, presumably because he wants billions of people in heaven. Right. Right? We should and, and, and Jesus says, people without number. Revelation says, people without number. Right. People from north, west, east, and south, right? So, so we should have an, a grand imagination and vision mm-hmm. for what God is doing, and, and pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest for workers, because mm-hmm. the, 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 the fields are white for the harvest in that sense, right? It's, we, God is, is holding back until all of the elect are brought in, and that could be thousands more years. Right. So can we hasten his return? Is that something that we could actually, if we, if we are part of the, you know, the, the evangelism and the outreach, is it possible that, that we can actually make it happen quicker? Well, Matt, um, <laughs> you're you're you're, well, you're 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 talking about uh, free will versus sovereignty here, right? right? Okay. So, um, could you know? So so could could Judas and Pilate? Have um, you know helped God achieve victory over sin and death? Yes, they could have, and they did. Right mm-hmm. by their own free actions, they did. Right? right, and and God used those free actions uh, to bring victory over the grave. And so, uh, absolutely, you know what what we see God does through history is that He is ultimately moving history to a good, glorious conclusion mm-hmm. uh, for Himself and for His people and for all of creation. Um, and yet he is, uh, the way that he works in history is through individual humans and cultures who are just kind of going about their day, doing their thing mm-hmm. as best they, they see fit. Some are being faithful to God, some not. So in that sense, uh, can we hasten the day? Yes, in, mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, God is going to be using the choices we make. Right. Um, on the other hand, there is a time appointed for when this will happen, and, right. it, and it just will be that God will be working through those free choices of those people. Right. So, yes and no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. I'll, I'll take that. Um, so, in this waiting time, why can we trust that Jesus is indeed returning? Well, this is, this is you know, maybe what a lot of the um, uh, more liturgical people would say, this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas isn't so much, or the Christmas season, Advent, isn't so much about, you know, celebrating a baby in a manger. It's about celebrating and longing for the return mm-hmm. of the glorious Messiah. And so um, Christmas then becomes a celebration that God was faithful to his promises 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So we're looking back at a God who is faithful, right, mm-hmm. and, and how he uh, fulfilled all the promises 
so many of the promises we see in the Old Testament around uh, a, a human champion who is also a descendant of David, who would take on the forces of evil, take on the serpent and the dragon, mm-hmm. and defeat him. So, so God has been faithful, and he was massively faithful in the incarnation, uh, death, and resurrection of his son Jesus. So therefore, we should trust, we can trust, that of course what he says will come to pass. He says he's returning, we can trust that he's returning, because he was faithful back then, right? So one is looking at a God who is faithful to his promises. But beyond that, I, I said it earlier, God has given us his spirit now, right? And this is the spirit of adoption, who cries out, Abba, Father, enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, right? So we now know that we are indeed children of God, right? And that's what he He calls us, right? And, and we are able to rejoice in that because God's spirit is in us, right? Mm-hmm awakening, quickening our heart, our understanding, to recognize that as I cry out for forgiveness and as I cry out to God for rescue, he actually is making me his child, right? So there's God's Spirit in us, pressing this onto our hearts, praying for and with us, teaching us, bringing us treasures from his word, uniting us to Jesus in the sacrament, right? All this stuff is happening now. And then, Lord willing... Uh, believers have had experiences of God showing up in unique and specific ways mm-hmm. in their lives, whether it's, you know, somehow communicating to them in prayer or through events or in the Word or mm-hmm. through community, right? But having an experience of forgiveness, having an experience of God's presence when no one else was there with you, when no one else wanted to yeah. be there, right? Experiencing this God who is near the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. near those who are in the dark, experiencing uh, freedom from some uh, bondage, right? Yeah. From some habitual sin or addiction or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So Lord willing, you know, you've had that experience or will be having that mm-hmm. experience. And, and when, when you have that, uh, and I've had several of them, like that it's just, okay, God has confirmed, right. he is confirming to me in real time in my own specific circumstances uh, that, that he is faithful to his word and he is present here. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's experiential, there's scriptural, there's just this deep sense in your bones given us by the Spirit that I am God's child because of what Jesus has done. Yeah. No, that's good. So, and I, it, so this time of um, the is not yet, this is the period that we're living in. Already not yet. Yeah, already not yet. How should we live in this time? Yeah, so, you know, one of the, we were, we've talked about praying the hours, mm-hmm. and um, one of the prayers during Advent, um, and I don't know if it goes back to the Book of Common Prayer or way, way before that, but it ends uh, by saying, um, may uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, mm-hmm. find us watching and waiting. Yeah. Right, and I love that. At and it's seemingly only at Advent when when we when that's prayed because mm. Advent is the time of of expectation for for Jesus' return, and uh, watching and waiting. Uh, and I've preached about this before. Um, these are these are the two of the primary orientations mm-hmm. Christians are to have now. Yeah. We are to be watching and waiting expectantly, anxiously in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins waiting for the, the bridegroom to come, right? So yeah. we are waiting. We are waiting for our bridegroom and watching for him, which means we're not watching other things, right? We're mm-hmm. not distracted by other things. We're not, we're not being sidetracked by other things. We are watching and waiting. Like the kids at the top of the stairs on Christmas morning, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, just can't, they can't wait to get at it and get yeah. down there and tear into those presents. So 
watching, waiting, and like I said earlier, rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Remembering that, okay, Jesus is coming, and he is bringing with him uh, this world that will be uh, purified of all sin and stain and darkness and death. And so now, let's rehearse, yeah. right? Let's practice for that world, what it will look like to be in an extended family, to do work. I mean, just you look at Genesis 1 and 2, and that we're not going back, we're not going to be reverting back to Genesis 1 mm-hmm. and 2 in the garden, but that gives us sort of a, 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 a vision that will then extend into the new heavens and new earth. That's why Revelation 21 and, and 22 really harkens back to the garden, like, like the tree of life. Um, so just looking at Genesis 1 and 2 and seeing what life should look like in right. terms of this satisfaction at work mm. and this deep rest. And there's no shame, right? They're naked, but right. there's no shame. We're not going to be naked. We're going to be clothed, right? right? Because there is a maturing process yes. that's gone on, but there will be no shame, mm. right? You will walk with God and see him face to face and be transformed by that. Mm. And, and there will be joy. There will be feasting. There will be working. There will be exploring, creating, right? So we can practice all those things now, yeah. right? And knowing, knowing that Jesus is with us now, but he's bringing the full, the full measure with him when he comes. What a great picture and what a great advice for the new year to watch and wait. Uh, Bob, thanks and again. Rehearse. And rehearse. We will rehearse <laughs> as a right. church as and a church. together. I appreciate that. Yep. Thanks for your time this morning. The title of the sermon is Jesus and Expectations. If you haven't listened to it, you can find it in all our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. If you don't already, we'd love to have you join us for our weekly worship service. We meet Sundays at 9 a.m. at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose, California. Until next time, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.